Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, May the 3rd. And welcome to our commentary. Just a quick uh, heads up. We have, I have a post uh, this morning, Wednesday morning, over at the American Thinker, talking about the problem that the armed forces are having recruiting volunteers. As you know, we have a volunteer army. We've had it for about 50 years. It's been actually very good. Army. Uh, we fought two wars, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, with that army. And, you know, it's been very successful as a, as a fighting force. It's been an extremely efficient uh, unit. But they've always been able to meet their, their uh, recruiting goals, but they have not this year. In fact, overall, they're down like 20%. Well, that's a problem. That's a problem uh, because we may have to fight a war at some point in the future, and we don't have enough recruits at the moment. I mean, you build up your army by bringing in new recruits. And then, of course, you know, that's uh, the nature of the game. You know, they serve and they retire and then new ones come in. And that's just been the... You know, that's the way the story goes. And as I said, uh, our volunteer army has actually done a fantastic job over the last 50 years. But they're not recruiting right now. And in my post, we talk about some of the problems. And one of the big problems is that for whatever reason, people are just not interested in serving in the U.S. Armed Forces. And also, another interesting fact, the Army has, has kind of gone woke on on some of its uh, practices. And I think that's turning off a lot of the more conservative young men, particularly the ones who come from, from military families where the father and the grandfather uh, had served in, in the military. So check out my post over at the American Thinker today about this problem. This could become a real problem for the United States if we have to fight a war. It's a problem either way, but if we have to fight a war, of course, it would become a serious problem because when we would have to go back to the draft. Now, most young people today don't remember the draft, but that is how we fought Vietnam and Korea in World War II. You would simply get a notice uh, from, I guess, the Department of Defense telling you to show up on Saturday because you were now uh, enlisting in the U.S. Army. That's how we fought wars in the past. We moved to the volunteer army after Vietnam. And as I said, it's actually worked extremely well but here's the problem. It hasn't been working well. And at some point, at some point, has, something has to be done. Now, the natural inclination of a lot of the political class is to say, well, we have to either lower the standards or pay out more money. I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's the answer. What we have to do is return to a time when people wanted to wear the uniform because they felt a sense of patriotism. And, you know, after what happened in Afghanistan, you know, after all of these, uh, you know, all of these incidents with woke policies in the military, uh, you know, uh, in the article that uh, I was linking to in my post, uh, you know, people, I guess the American public is not happy with the armed forces right now. And that, I think, is a direct reflection of the Biden administration. So check out my post. I think you're going to you're going to enjoy it. But one of the big stories today is that President Trump, former President Trump, is going to go on CNN for a town hall meeting. Now, I actually think that's a pretty good idea on the part of President Trump to go out there and talk to people. That's a good thing. 
And it's a great idea for CNN because they're finally going to get an audience. They've been struggling quite a bit, uh, you know, having an audience. They, they're simply not uh, a network that get a lot of people are tuning into. So I think it's a win-win situation. I don't know exactly who's going to be moderating. Um, I, I would assume that they're going to be taking questions from the audience, as town hall meetings usually do. But as I say, either way, I think this is a win for both. It's a win for the Trump campaign, and it's a big win for the for CNN because they need an audience. And this is one way at least they'll be able to get a million people to watch him. The Texas shooter, the, the man who was accused of shooting uh, that family uh, just outside of Houston, Texas, uh, apparently has been caught here in Texas. He was hiding uh, somewhere. I don't know all the details, but he was hiding somewhere, and there were some tips that led the police to finding him. Now, not just this man, but other people have also been arrested, his wife and other people. This is an amazing story, this man. I mean, beyond the, the horrific shooting, which is, of course, uh, incredible to describe. You know, you got people being shot at, children being shot at. But this is an amazing story. This is a man who had been deported four times. He had had, he had I think, a DWI incident with the police and been, had been deported four times and then came back to the United States each time. And now he was living there outside of Houston, you know, with no consequences. And this is, uh, you know, a great indictment on our lack of enforcement of immigration laws. You know, people who have been deported four times should not be living in the United States, should not be living, you know, like nothing's going on. They've been deported four times and, you know, there are no consequences, I guess, to being deported. So we've got to do a better job on the border. We're not, of course, doing a good job on the border. And that's a that's a huge problem. And that whole problem is going to get a lot worse, by the way, in about a week or so when uh, Title 42 is finally over. Now, President uh, Biden is sending some troops to the border. They're sort of they're going to be backup troops. I think he's sending like 1500 troops, which which is really an insignificant amount. I mean, no, no disrespect to the troops that are going there. I mean, they're wonderful, wonderful soldiers. But what we need to do, if we really want to make a serious statement about uh, the fact that we're going to enforce immigration laws and we're going to control the border, you got to put like 15 or 20,000 troops and space them out in such a way where it's clear to anybody that you're not going to be able to just walk right in to the United States, that you're going to be stopped. And this is also a message to the criminal elements that they're not going to just walk in with drugs and whatever into the United States. But you've got to have more than 1,500 troops. You've got to have a huge uh, deployment, 15,000. I would even say 30,000. I would make it so obvious that nobody would want to mess uh, with that military military presence there. But again, it's going to get really nasty next week because because of the failure of the uh, of the Biden administration and the fact that we have not been protecting our border for you know ever since he came in. You you now have this there there's this buildup of people on the southern side, meaning on the Mexico side. There's a buildup of people who have been sitting there waiting for this Article 42 or Title 42 uh, to go off the books. And, you know, there are estimates that there could be as many as 10,000, 20,000, and they're sort of spread all over the border. They're not just uh, outside of Juarez. You know, you've got Del Rio, you've got other places where these people are 
just sitting there waiting for, for the day when they're going to apparently rush into the United States. So it could get really ugly. It could get really ugly on the U.S.-Mexico border. There could be some nasty confrontations uh, between the authorities and, and, and some of these people. And, and again, I put this on the doorstep of the Biden administration. This is what happens when you don't have a clear border enforcement policy. We don't have to write any new laws. All we have to do is enforce the ones we have. And this administration has decided not to enforce the law on the border. And by the way, that is responsibility number one of the president of the United States is to enforce the law. That's responsibility number one of the president of the United States. Obviously, he's not doing it. He's not doing it. And uh, some people are saying that he should be impeached for this. There are enough grounds to impeach him because he is not enforcing the laws of the country, which is, again, his responsibility as the chief executive. But it would be a waste of time to impeach uh, Joe Biden. And the reason I say that is because you're never going to get it through the Senate. And all you're going to do is distract uh, the Congress, frankly, from other things that are far more important, such as the debt limit and, and some of the other things. So I think the border speaks for itself. The failure of this administration on the border speaks for itself. And the way to get back at Joe Biden is to get back at him politically uh, in the election. I, again, I'm not a big fan of impeachment because impeachment, uh, as we saw with President Trump, is becomes divisive and politicized. And, and I just think impeachment is for one those rare opportunities when when you impeach someone. But in this case, it's not going to do you any good because nothing nothing is going to get done. They're never going to get it through the Senate. I mean, you may get it through the House. Uh, you will get it through the House because it's a majority vote. But when it gets to the Senate, uh, it's just going to be party line as it uh, as it normally is with these things. Well, a couple of a uh, couple of things about this day in history, May the 3rd. We say happy number 89 to Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley, for those of you who've been following music for the last 50 years. He was first the lead singer of the Four Seasons. Then he went out on his own and had actually quite a career on his own. And I think eventually he came back to uh, to the Four Seasons. But much, you know, much of his career, what identifies Frankie Valli is that voice that he has, that very unique voice uh, that he has. And uh, we heard that on many of the Four Seasons uh, number one songs and many of the top hits of the four seasons. And then again, as I said, when he went, uh, when he went solo in the 1970s, the other big story today from the music world is that we remember James Brown. James Brown was born on this day in 1933. He passed away in 2006. Look, James Brown is a classic and, you know, they go, they call him the godfather of soul. The man's a classic. I mean, his voice, his style, his songs, I mean, he, he's a classic. When you hear James Brown, you know it's James Brown. There's no doubt in your mind as to who you're hearing. And for me, again, having grown up in that time when, you know, you would see him on TV or listen to him on the radio, James Brown, the godfather of soul, the great James Brown. Again, no one like James Brown, and I doubt very much that we will ever get anybody like James Brown in the future. Just a quick heads up, we did our our weekly review of Texas politics with our friend George Rodriguez. We did that on Tuesday. And one of the things that we talked about in that uh, conversation, in the video that we did, is that there is apparently a new challenger to Senator Cruz, so a second Democrat 
who's going to be challenging uh, Senator Cruz. And his name is uh, Allred, Representative Allred of uh, here in the Dallas, uh, Texas area. So it looks like State Senator Gutierrez from South Texas and Representative Allred from the Dallas area are the two Democrats who are apparently going to get in to uh, to run against. Uh, of course, they have to go through a primary, but they're the two who are thinking about not just thinking. Apparently, they they are very seriously thinking about uh, challenging Senator Cruz. I think both have an, an uphill challenge for the simple reason that they're not that well known outside of their areas. And if you're going to run in Texas against a guy like Ted Cruz, you've got to have a guy who can compete uh, in the rural areas where Cruz is going to do very well. In the suburbs, you've got to have guys who can compete in those areas. And neither one of these two Democrats, especially uh, Gutierrez down in South Texas, is very well known. I'll read a little bit more because he's a member of the federal Congress. But still, they're both relatively... Uh, unknown. So check out my uh, conversation with George Rodriguez on this subject uh, on the Tuesday, on the Tuesday video. Have a great day, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later.